Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back, everybody. Arthur Staple here. Welcome back to the Garden of Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic, coming to you live from my hotel room here in Tampa, uh, and my co-host and producer, Chris Flannery, back at uh, Garden of Faithful HQ. What's going on, Chris? Oh, nothing. Just getting ready for uh, a big game four tonight. <laughs> yeah, we've got game four down here tonight. Uh, starting to look like it could be a long series, but I think we're pretty used to that by now. So um, we'll jump right in. And start talking about uh, the game that just passed on Sunday afternoon, Game 3, which, um, you know, I think Gerard Gallant kind of summed it up well. It's like it, they weren't really the better team, but they could have stolen it. And uh, maybe 41 more seconds, you get to overtime and reset, and who knows what's going to happen. And we could be sitting in a very different spot here. But it sort of felt like the high of those first two wins of this series that were really dominating wins, even though the last one kind of got hairy at the end, the game two got, you know, Tampa really turned it on in the third period, but there were two of the best games the Rangers have played all playoffs. They're up to none on the champs, uh, hold serve at home, come down here up to nothing midway through the game. It's a very typical Ranger playoff game and Ranger regular season game where the big boys are operating on the power play. Igor Shosturkin is doing his thing they're clearing got bodies out to not to prevent a lot of second and third chances. It um it felt like it could have been one of those games that the Rangers snuck away with and then, you know, you've you kind of stolen the heart from Tampa and maybe that's the end of it there, but obviously it didn't go that way. Um, you know, how do you think Chris uh they felt after that one and then kind of carrying that feeling of having lost it very late and kind of the, you know, maybe the bubble bursting a little bit about how much of a high they were on the, after the first two uh, that they're going through these, that these last couple of days. Yeah. I mean, to me, if, I mean, I, I would assume that they probably feel the way that, you know, most people feel that that, that was a game that they, you know, Tampa really turned it on the second half of the game, the, the third period Tampa was all over them. And, you know, I don't think anybody, um, expected anything less from the two time defending champs. They know Tampa knew that if they went down three Oh, um, you know, that that's pretty much a wrap. You're not going to beat Igor four straight games, you know, that, that, so, you know, Tampa came out and did their thing. I would imagine the Rangers definitely felt like that was a game they, they could have taken. And as, and Gerard Gallant said as much, um, but it's kind of been their mantra throughout the playoffs, and it's kind of been a hallmark of this team. No matter what happens the night before the prior game, they don't. It doesn't really seem like they carry it into uh, the next one, especially if things didn't go their way. You know, I mean, I think 
um, as Gerard Gallant's belief is that momentum doesn't carry over, that it's every game is its own thing. Um, and to me, after seeing what they've done to Tampa for, you know, let's say seven out of nine periods that they've played against them, um, they probably feel pretty good to me. They go into tonight. It's a clean slate. Um, three, one is pretty much as good as three Oh, and I think that's got to be the mindset that they have going back home uh, after tonight with with a chance to, uh, you know, give themselves a chance to win uh, the series in game five. And, you know, even if they don't do that going into game five, a 3-1 lead still gives you plenty of, of margin for error there. And it gives them, you know, a few chances to uh, to end up winning this series anyway. And listen, they they've gone through this whole thing. We've seen them grow a lot and we'll, we'll get into it. I'm sure we'll talk about how everybody's. Uh, you know, the experience that they've had throughout this has, has helped them grow and gotten them to where they are. But this is just another uh, lesson al- along the road for for a team that is going to have a championship window open for years to come, you know. So I, I think they got to learn their lesson and it'll be an important game to see tonight how they do come out, because if they come out flat and, you know, they lose this game, and they don't look right, then, you know, that maybe that's a uh, cause for concern. I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think even, you know, based on Chris Kreider's post-game press conference where he stopped Mika Zibanejad from asking a question about, you know, what happened on the goal. He's like, I should have come back, planted my feet, and we would be going overtime. And he took responsibility for that. And he seemed annoyed at himself. And, you know, I think that's probably the right mindset going into this game. They know if they play a little bit harder, they play a little bit tighter defensively and kind of manage the intensity coming the other way from Tampa, uh, you know, I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Gallant was also, you know, he doesn't like to say a whole lot, but I feel like in the little that he said after the game on the off day, even this morning, he said, we just have to be a little bit better. And I think that's exactly right. That it was, it was a nothing, nothing game at five on five into the third period, deep into the third period. Tampa definitely had the better of the, of the puck uh, possession, better of the zone time. But this is that's not anything that's out of the ordinary for the Rangers. They were doing that in October. So I think they've gotten used to the idea that we're not going to have the puck a lot, especially against a team like this. We've got Igor. Um, you know, he's going to he's if he sees it, he's going to stop it. Um, and then we just have to really weather whether whether it's a storm in the first period or through a stretch or whatever. And then counterattack because they have such high-end skill and whether they it's getting a power play when you need it or getting a, a good chance with the right guys on the ice when you need it and there's more of those right guys now throughout the playoffs than there were when the playoffs began which is a good sign um it just feels like you know you look back at the at the whole of the playoffs now and and maybe you don't even have to look all the way back you know g- game five against carolina was a low point games three and four against pittsburgh were a low point um, but really since game four against Pittsburgh, they haven't been, there hasn't been a situation where they're like, man, these guys look terrible. They're really out of sorts. Like they've been the three losses to Carolina. They were in every one of those games. It was a, it was a goal either way. Um, and when they win, they're dominating. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not a lot to complain about. You may be looking for things to nitpick and obviously on that play, it was, uh, you know, that's that speaks to the Kreider's Abanajad relationship. But I think if Mika were going to answer that honestly, he got caught a little bit in between. I think he felt like it was time was winding down. Kucherov maybe to him only had one option, which was to turn and shoot, and he wanted to kind of help impede that a little bit. And that's a shot that Shosturkin's going to stop in all likelihood if it gets through. Um, and I don't think 
anybody, maybe even there were some guys in Tampa's bench and on the ice didn't think that Kucherov could make that kind of pass. And then Palat, who, you know, is just, he's a guy who, uh, there may not be a guy in the NHL right now who raises his game more in the playoffs than that guy because he's a very solid player in the regular season, but he scores clutch goals for them all the time. I think he's, he holds the lightning franchise record for game-winning goals now in the playoffs. So, you know, perfect pass, perfect shot, a couple of mistakes, um, but that's it. That's the margin between these two, even with the 51 shots on goal. I just, it, you know, it's not a lot to complain about, really, especially given where they are in, in the in the series. And um, I think a lot of fans have kind of, you know, judging whether it's comments on, on my stories or just kind of seeing things on Twitter, I think fans feel the same way. It's And it's not a feeling of this is all gravy. I think it's a feeling of these teams are are as good as each other. The Rangers have the edge. Tampa knows that they have the edge right now. It's 2-1. Like you said, going home up 3-1 is a big big gap uh with two, you know, with two chances at home to close it out essentially. Um so I, you know, I I don't yeah, I don't feel like they're in a bad position. After tonight we could, you know, when we're going to break down what's coming tonight and there could be some injury issues coming off of that game three. But um, but until we see them on the ice and until we're done with this one, uh, the Rangers are just in a good position. And I don't I don't think they should feel otherwise at all. No, I, I completely agree. And I mean, you know, going back to what you were saying a minute ago, like they've played 17 games in the playoffs. If you can point to three out of 17 where you're like, wow, they really didn't play well. Uh, that means they played really well in the rest of the games, you know, or they or they were yeah. in all of those games. So it's like, uh, I'll take that. And also, if you told anybody in September, October, like the Rangers are going to be up two one in the Eastern Conference Final against the Lightning. Nobody would go like, yeah, but which game did they lose? It's yeah. like who who cares? You know, I mean, that's <laughs> it is what it is. So stop, stop. I think you, I think someone would say stop vaping, please. Like <laughs> you're you're doing something. You're doing too much mind altering uh, substances to to be uh, to be accurate. Exactly, but that that's right. I mean, that's uh, you know. So I and I I think the Rangers have to feel that way too. You know, I'd I'd rather they come out of that game feeling annoyed at themselves, like oh, we could be a little bit better and we could win this game, than you know them coming out of it being like, man, Tampa really dominant. I I don't get that vibe from the team, and they they shouldn't have that vibe. I think, like you said, tonight will be you know much more telling. Um, but I think the Rangers are, you know, if you take the experience factor out of it, where you go, you know, Tampa's been so deep, they won ten straight series. This is these are evenly matched teams, and you could see that. And uh, you know, I, the other point I just wanted to make about Game Three, obviously, we're, we're you know we'll get into the uh, the injury issue. Strom comes out, G- Goudreau, God blocks a shot off, you know, his already injured uh, foot there. But also, you know, a lot of penalties. Uh, the game was not really played five on five a lot. That kept the kids off the yet, uh, you know. So it's like the flow of the game was altered by a number of different factors. That's not making ex- an excuse, but I think. You know, those are things that actually go into it. It, it wasn't like, uh, you know, everything went totally smoothly throughout. So, you know, like we said, I think tonight will say a lot, but I, I, I expect them to come out and play the way that they've been playing for the last, uh, you know, at least for this series and, and for the last several weeks here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
Well, let's talk about some happier things that have happened since uh, this series began. And those were the first two games, which, you know, game one, um, you know, I go back because we go back together, Chris and I, to the Islander, my Islanders coverage and the Islanders podcast. And we can go back because the Islanders were in the same spot that the Rangers are to last two Eastern Conference finals. And I think back to a couple of games when they played Tampa the last two years, notably, um, Game one in the bubble where the Islanders won game seven against Philadelphia, had a day to fly from Toronto to Edmonton and then had to go right on the ice the next night. And that's the opposite of rust. They were just worn out and Tampa blew, I think it was eight one or eight two in that one. And it puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, and then they had an eight nothing, I think it was eight nothing or eight one loss in game five last year before they came back and won an overtime in game six. And I feel like those kinds of games where you're either you know, you've played too much and it starts to get to you or, you know, the, the things that you're doing wrong at the beginning of a game, just snowball. Um, it felt like the Rangers were on the other side of that in game one, where they were dialed in having only had a day off after winning in, in Carolina. Uh, and Tampa had been sitting at home for nine days <clears throat> trying to figure out ways to stay sharp. And it just, it's not the same. And I think, um, you know, I think being able to do that and take advantage of that that situation in game one where I think most people common sense would tell you the guys that played two straight seven game series would be more tired. But I think every player and every coach would say, no, you, you, you're in you're in that zone. Your body is is used to the every other day thing um, and you just want to keep it rolling. And, and boy, did they ever in that in that first game and really till about. You know, till about the end of the second period in the second game, where they were they were beating Tampa to pucks. You know that uh, it's going to go down if the Rangers go on and win, and and maybe go on and win a Stanley Cup. It's it's probably going to go down as the shift, the shift of a lifetime, the shift of that defined the twenty one twenty two season, which was that that minute or so shift in game one in the offensive zone where the fourth line got it in and wheeled it around. They got off. The kid line came on. There were about five shots and retrievals. Tampa, you know, good Tampa players, guys with two Stanley Cups, including Stamkos, turning this way and that, not able to get to any pucks, and it finishes with Heedle scoring on a, on a great cross-ice pass from Keandre Miller. Um, that was the loudest I've heard the Garden all year, and it was amazing to hear, and it was deserved because it was just, it was just an awesome display, and it really, you know, I think Tampa – even with the rust, even with the situation, I don't think they expected to feel that way. And I think that played a big part in how the Rangers came off in game two and, and got out to the lead as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's funny. I, I take notes, you know, as I'm watching the game, because I know we're going to end up talking about it on the podcast. And uh, when I went back and looked at my notes about that shift, I wrote the Rangers pinned them in for like three minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I was so into it. I was so excited by how, how well they played. And obviously, yeah, it's only like a minute and, you know, two seconds or whatever, but that, Exactly. I mean, that that was a really eye opening moment. That was, you know, probably like you said, I mean, that that'll go down and in, in history if the if this ends up being, a, you know, a championship season. Um, definitely. the I think that was the best period the Rangers have played of the playoffs uh, so far, especially considering who they did it against. And that that shift, uh, you know, was was uh, something really special. Um, and yeah, I mean, I go, you know, going back to the point about rust, I think. I think that's legitimate. You know, uh, it, maybe it gets overplayed a little bit. You watch the pregame coverage, the postgame coverage. It's like all they're saying is rust. But like, okay, Tampa got into the the series after you know forty minutes. They're there, but um, you know, yes, the Rangers were were certainly rolling 
um, to start this thing. And, and that's what you have to do. And I think they understand that, you know, they, they don't look tired at all uh, yet. I mean, the only, the only thing you would say is if maybe they got a day off or a couple extra days off um, is so some of the guys that have, you know, been dealing with injuries throughout this, maybe they get a little bit of a chance to, to heal up and, you know, get ready for, for the next game. But, you know, like you said, they've kind of been, uh, they, they were the fresher team, obviously in, in games one and two, even though they, they had been playing. And I, I think that's largely in part to, uh, you know, the momentum they had going just playing, uh, in that rhythm every other day. Um, you know, and, and to, we, we can obviously get into it a little bit here, you know, talking about the guys who, uh, you know, maybe are injured potentially going into tonight's mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And I don't mean to say that, you know, I think, I think I had a story, uh, at the end of the Carolina series that the Rangers had some luck and they certainly did in the first two rounds facing backups and backups to the backups in net and, you know, Crosby going out in game five and that helping the Rangers come back. You know, those, those are lucky things. There is a lot of luck involved in winning a Stanley cup, but you have to take advantage of those situations. And they certainly did in those two rounds. And you can say the Tampa was rusty and that's what they're going to lean on because they don't want to feel like they got their doors blown off when they were feeling good about themselves. But the Rangers stepped into that void that, you know, Tampa was a little too passive and they were aggressive and on their toes and the power play was clicking and they were, you know, they were shooting pucks where they wanted to shoot them on Andre Vasilevsky. He was very, that was probably the worst playoff game he's played in three years in that game one. And it's just like, you know, you can say, wow, you know, he managed to do that against the Rangers again. Maybe that's luck, but also you got to take advantage of it too. And they really, yeah. they really looked sharp and they really looked like the far superior, far more ready team. And you have to wonder if they can win tonight and go up 3-1, whether Tampa is just sort of feeling like, you know, you, you get to the end of playing however many games that they've played, and it's in such a condensed amount of time. You know, you, yes, there were the two regular seasons, the last two times that they won were shorter, but you still played a pretty maximum amount of playoff games. And, you know, it's it's wasn't three proper seasons. It wasn't three straight Mays and Junes. It, it was kind of odd times, like it's all happened in the last... 28 months or so or 24 months just kind of the because of the pandemic and it takes a toll it takes a toll physically and it takes a toll mentally and if they're down 3-1 which is a position they hadn't been in before um you know maybe that's that's certainly a situation the rangers can take advantage of i think yeah i i I mean i i completely agree with you and also you know to to that point like i think people i mean it's not just like the rangers series i think it happens a lot where you know, the narrative becomes making excuses for a team or saying, oh, you know, there's rust or this goalie was was hurt or this, you know, but that that is what happens throughout the playoffs, like you said. And if, if you've watched the Western Conference at all, it's been a it's been like wild in the way, you know, even last night's game with Colorado winning like uh, a six five overtime game. Pucks are flying all over the place. Goaltending's been uh, crazy. Goalies are hurt in that series. So you know it's not just the Rangers. Um, you know that that is what happens throughout the playoffs. And like you said, you have to capitalize that on that. And I think the Rangers have uh, largely done that. Um, they've overcome injuries to start the playoffs. You know where where they had some rough games against Pittsburgh, lack of experience. Um, they've overcome that, and I, I think they've they've grown a lot uh, throughout this run. Um, and I also will say this about Vasilevsky. He didn't, to me, he played better in game three, but he didn't look super sharp in game three. There was a couple of pucks that got through him. Um, you know, he bobbled a couple of pucks. So I think, you know, for all the talk about the, the Shesterkin-Vasilevsky battle, Igor's clearly been 
the better goalie throughout this series. And, you know, if that continues to be the case going into tonight and the rest of the series, that also gives the Rangers, uh, uh, you know, an advantage over, over Tampa and, you know, we'll see where it goes, but, um, you know, I, I think, I think to, to, to say that, the, you know, the Rangers throughout this have, have been getting lucky or whatever, that's how the playoffs go. And it's really the teams that are able to to weather whatever's thrown at them that, that end up, uh, you know, advancing and potentially winning a championship. So we've got game four tonight. Um, Gerard Gallant would not uh, give much away. He said he thinks Ryan Strom will be ready to play. Strom did skate this morning. Um, he expects... Barkley Goodrow to play, although he doesn't know if he's going to play. It's a lot of wordplay thanking Gallant's uh, morning availability. I did see uh, Barkley Goodrow walking out of the arena when he didn't skate this morning. Definitely had a little bit of a limp. Looked like he had something pretty intense wrapped around his left foot. And, um, you know, it's it, he's, that's the foot that he broke. And it the the fortitude or insanity however you want to look at it it takes to put your foot that broken foot as it's still you know it's he's obviously didn't i don't think he broke it again otherwise you probably wouldn't see him but to put that foot in front of another big blast from victor hedman um yeah so yeah incredibly brave incredibly crazy a little bit of both um i'm sure when he took his skate off it was not a pretty sight um but uh, if he's walking the way that he was walking with a bit of a limp and a whole thing, like if he's if it's not broken again, I feel like he's going to play. I think the guy that you're probably more worried about in this scenario is Strom because it seemed like that was a soft tissue kind of thing where, you know, Palat yeah. cross checks him in the back and he kind of like moved a little funny, immediately grabbed whether it was his groin or his quad or his hamstring. It was something in there that clearly, um, you know got strained or something, um, tried it out, couldn't come back, skated this morning, you know, didn't skate fully, but at least tested it out. Um, so I'd probably be more concerned with Strom and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big drop off between, uh, having Strom in there and having say Kevin Rooney in there. And then Barkley Goodrow say, you know, moves up to the second line or Tyler Mott moves up to the second line. Um, You've got Andrew Kopp to to move to the middle, but uh, you know Strom has has had the kind of playoff that I think he had in the regular season, where he does get a ton of chances because of the guys that he plays with. He hasn't converted a lot, um, but he scored a couple goals, and he's you know still a guy who's an important part of that that first power play unit, and um, does kill penalties occasionally, and and kind of rounds out that five. He's just a, he's just a smart player. Um, and I wonder, you know, if you go Panarin, Cop, Mott, you're really turning that line in, maybe into something different than it was. And and maybe that's not a bad thing down here because you're really worried more about matchups. But it feels like uh, Tampa doesn't have to give quite as much attention to that second line of Strom is off it. Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think Ryan Strom gets maybe a bad rap amongst the the fan base that he's, you know, he's inconsistent. He takes some penalties, but I, I think, I think if you look at his overall game and, you know, his leadership on the team and, and everything, he's, he's very valuable. And like you said, taking him out of the lineup really does shuffle things to a point where your top six is top six is dramatically different. The bottom six, which has been a real strength of, of this team throughout the playoffs, that changes quite a bit. Um, if you have to start moving bodies around. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think all around, uh, you know, Strom is the wrong one uh, 
to to have some kind of injury because that really upsets the lineup uh, from top to bottom. I think you know, obviously uh, the the Zabanajed line stays intact, but the rest of the you know the rest of of everything kind of gets gets moved around, and especially the power play. Although I think Philip Heedle did actually look pretty good uh, filling in for him when he <laughs> when he was injured the rest of uh, uh, game three there. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, to me, it looked like a quad. It looked like he he you know went down and grabbed right there immediately, and that you know, a muscle strain can be a huge problem because any minute that could be, um, you know, it could, it could get worse or, you know, he won't be able to skate or, or whatever. So we'll have to see what happens there. Barkley Goudreau, what, what a, what a monster that guy is throwing that foot in front of a shot to me. Yeah. Right. Like you said, if it's not broken, um, he's just dealing with pain, which I know is easier. You know, it's very easy for me to say it that way, but, uh, you'd assume <laughs> he was going to be back in the lineup. He can handle it. <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly he can. As when he went off, uh, I was like, God, he must be, that must be absolutely brutal. But at no point did I think he was not coming back out. And then sure enough, he came out and he was, you know, he played the rest of the game. So, you know, pain is one thing, but, uh, you know, if it's something that, you know, could tear potentially or whatever as a, as a muscle that that's a different story. And, you know, we'll have to see where it goes tonight. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in, in, in different times, you'd just say, okay, you take Philip Heel and put him at number two center. But I feel like the move to make tonight, if Strom is out is give the kid line a little bit more leash. You know, they, yep. like you said, they didn't get, they didn't get on the ice a lot because of all the power plays in game two. They're certainly fresh because they're young and uh, and kind of blissfully ignorant of what's going on yeah. in the magnitude department. Uh, and every time they're on the ice, something happens. They they just the energy they bring is is if it, it's not infectious because it's hard to replicate that, but they are having an impact every time out there. And I think if you maybe lose the shackles a little bit, give them a little bit more of a little bit more ice time and, and not worry too much about who they're out there facing. Um, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of the heat off the top six. It, you know, the, the matchup game on the road has again been uh, a real concern for the Rangers because the, the, you know, the Anthony Sorelli dropped down to kind of a, a checking second or third line uh, that, that was able to really contain Mika Zibanejad kind of the way that Jordan Stahl's line did in the Carolina series on the road. Um, so if you've got that matchup and you've got a second line, that's not as, as complete as you'd like it to be. Well, you've got a, you've got a kid line that's, uh, that's doing a lot of good stuff and maybe doing it in sheltered minutes. So see what they can do in unsheltered minutes. You gotta, you gotta try to seize the advantage here. So, uh, I'm curious to see how they'll shuffle it around if Strom is out. And even if Strom is in, you know, he's not feeling a hundred percent. So maybe we'll see. A little more kid line in a, in a few different situations than we have in in the in the first three games and certainly in game three. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I agree. I would not break up the you know I wouldn't move the kid line around if if you can't if you can avoid that you you should definitely avoid it and give them a little more ice time. They every every time they get a puck deep, they keep it in the the offensive zone. They are making stuff happen. I mean, yeah. No, they they've been fantastic, and I think. You know, Lafreniere and Heedle have been taking a lot of the, you know, getting a lot of the attention for how they've been playing. But I think Capo Caco has been been really, really good along the boards. Strong. He's, you know, fighting off checks, holding pucks in the zone. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that kid line definitely could deserve some more. Uh, I mean, they've deserved more ice time, I think, throughout throughout this. But like you said, they're trying to keep them, you know, in, in, in favorable matchups sometimes when they can. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, I would I would if Strom can't go or if he starts and he has to come out of the game. I mean, I think you move cop into the middle and, uh, you know, you move whoever you want up 
uh, into that spot, whether it's Mott or you kind of cycle guys through, maybe you double shift a couple of the, you know, the kids when, when you can to see what they do there. But I, I would absolutely keep the kid line together and, and, uh, you know, try to get them on the ice a little bit more because they've been like, like we've been saying the whole time, they've been the Rangers most consistent line throughout the whole, throughout the playoffs. And it's, uh, it's really great to watch. And they were the focal point of, of the shift, you know, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I would keep them out there for sure as much as as much as you can, or as much as you feel comfortable doing. And I agree that uh, you know on that second power play goal that uh, that they scored, the Kreider one, Heedle looked perfectly comfortable in that bumper spot that Strom usually has. He kind of you know took a pass, gave it back. He he you know I think he his confidence level is so different now that uh, it's probably not going to change a whole lot for him. And I'm you know that power play too. It was interesting to hear John Cooper talk about. The Rangers power play and and I'd asked him, you know, do you have to start treating Zabanajad the way that you treat Ovechkin? You know, it's a big leap because Ovechkin is the most prolific power play goal scorer in the history of the NHL. Yeah. Um, and he kind of said, you know, it's it's different because Ovechkin usually doesn't range up very high. He kind of is in his spot in that circle, but he'll sometimes go down to the goal line and just try to like, you know, get lost in the shuffle. And for Zabanajad, Zabanajad goes higher as opposed to going lower. Right. Um, and so he kind of is like changing the the point of attack, changing where he's shooting from, but it's working and you do have to, you do have to pay uh, a lot of attention to him now. And I think the, uh, the focus it sounded like from Cooper and from Ryan McDonough who also spoke today, um, was really more maybe pressuring being doing a better job pressuring Artemi Panarin. Cause that's usually how the puck gets to either Adam Fox and then over to Zvanajet or straight over to Zvanajet, which is how he, they got the. Yeah, they got the the first power play goal in game three, and um, you know maybe they feel like Panarin's got the puck on a stick so much you have that's the, that's the point where you have to attack, and uh, they haven't quite done that. And certainly you saw it, uh, you know, in game one where Zibanejad <laughs> missed a couple, reloaded twice, and then mm-hmm. blasted one right over Vasilevsky's head. And I don't think I've seen anyone score over a six six goalie's head much. <laughs> so. Um, it's, you know, it's a shot that has to be reckoned with. And I think, uh, you know, there's, we talk about the kids getting, uh, getting lots of, uh, confidence from this playoff run and that they've been through the first time. And it's not Mika Zibanejad's first time, but boy, his confidence has got to be sky high. He is, uh, you know, we've, we've certainly talked here. I've written a lot. Like, is this guy a true number one center going into this new contract? Yes. Is the answer the way he's played. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's, you know he's in the the Smythe conversation a- absolutely i mean he's playing he's playing great this is as hot as you could be basically from that spot on the power play um and i think even when he's not doing you know when he's not scoring necessarily at 5 on 5 i think he's still a threat i think he's around the puck and he's you know he's doing he's playing the way you want to see him play uh and just something i've been thinking about uh, obviously now Ca- colorado is in the the final so w- w- you know we see what happens in this series to go on to uh play them for the stanley cup Going into the pandemic, Mika, you know, into like the 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 forced break when when COVID first started, Mika Zibanejad was as hot as anybody in the world. He might have been the best player on in the world at that point when when you know the pause happened, uh, and the Rangers ended up pausing in Colorado. That was the last game they played, and I just keep thinking, man, it would be mm, it'd be really nice to see everything come full circle with Mika Zibanejad play, you know, just absolutely on fire getting through this series and uh, picking it back up in, in Colorado for a chance to win the Stanley cup. So that's, that's where my mindset is. If you're wondering whether I'm all in on, <laughs> on the Rangers uh, going to win the Stanley cup, I, I am all in. And that's uh, 
that's sort of what I've been thinking about the last couple of days here. All right, so we got game four tonight. Uh, you got a feeling on this one, Chris? Yeah, I think the Rangers. Uh, I think the Rangers win this game. I don't know what the score is going to be. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's a one goal game, probably. Um, you know, or maybe whatever. Maybe they hit an empty net at the end. But yeah, I think the Rangers come in. I think they play uh, business like. I think they do their thing. I think they they don't uh, get overwhelmed because even uh, you know I think Tampa played a really strong. Obviously, third period they played a very good game. Uh, game three, but it didn't seem like to me it didn't seem like the Rangers were all over the place the way that they were at certain times against Pittsburgh, against Carolina, where you were like, man, this team is just swarming them. Tampa played the game they needed to play, but I didn't feel like the Rangers were underwater. You know, I think, I think they stayed within themselves to an extent and you know, whatever mistakes are going to happen. You're going to lose games in the playoffs, especially against a good team. But I think the Rangers come out and they play a, a business like game tonight. Um, they stay out of the box. I think that's going to be a huge, a huge key here. Um, yeah, and I, I think they get the I think they get it done and they they go home three one. Wow. Wow. It's a big difference between three one and two two. But I feel like also, even if they lose this game, and I don't really have a, a guess or a feel on it, um yeah. if they go home two two, you know, I think a lot of the narrative is gonna be they missed their chance, uh whatever. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like that's that stuff they've been able to block out really well and the you know, people oh, yeah. are gonna kinda say like, Oh, Tampa's revving the engine, here they come. I don't buy it. And I feel like, so I feel like this is, this would be a great game to win, but even if it doesn't happen, um, I don't, I don't mind the position the Rangers are in because I don't think they mind it. So, uh, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. This one would be, would be big to win, but if it doesn't happen, you know, everyone can take a deep breath because it's still just two, two. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) No, totally. I I think that's right. You know, again, if you told me, you know, at the beginning of the season, They'll be 2-2. They got two, you know, it's a best of three now with two games at the Garden in, in the Eastern Conference Final. I take that too. So, I, you know, I don't think they're going to, uh, obviously 3-1 is going to feel a lot better and it's going to give them, like I said, a margin for error. But if they lose the game, as long as they don't look like they're completely, uh, you know, shell-shocked or whatever, which I don't imagine that being the case, um, you know, this is, I think this is still, uh, you know, the Rangers have a chance to win this series and and go on to play for the Cup. So, yeah, I'm... I'm very excited to to watch this game tonight, but I, I do think that they come out, they uh, play with some poise, and, and, and they come back to the Garden uh, in Game 5 with a chance to seal it. Well, uh, when we come back to you next week, we could be wrapping up a season. We could be previewing a Stanley Cup final. Um, still, everything's on the table, which is pretty impressive. So thanks, Chris, and thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Garden Faithful. If you're enjoying the show so far, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us grow the show. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash TGF. Chris Flannery, I'm Arthur Staple. Happy birthday to my lovely wife, Beth, who's holding down the fort at home. We'll be back next week with some more Ranger stuff. This run just keeps on going. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.